0: I invite you now to take a Bible and to open it to the Gospel of John in chapter 1. It's in this chapter of John 1 that we get the actual words that are the title for the whole series that we're going to be going through this uh, in the New Testament, because one of the unique things about John is that uh, a little bit different than the other gospel writers, as he tells us about the events that happened in Jesus' life, he's telling us about them and reflecting on them. And so he's not only telling us what happened, but he's telling us why it happened. And all of them do that, but some of them wait a little bit further down the line before we kind of really understand the significance of why it's happening. But John gives us the what and the why from the first chapter to the end. And so this is John chapter 1. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, well, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. And so they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out. In the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, Well, then why are you baptizing if you're neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. And the next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, "'Come, and you will see.' And so they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, "'We have found the Messiah,' which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, "'You are Simon, the son of John. "'You shall be called Cephas,' which means Peter.' The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael came to him and said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Or Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, come and see And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And that concludes our reading for this morning. So, hopefully, you saw along the way John telling us what and why it's important to consider Jesus Christ. He couldn't start in a more uh, sort of dramatic fashion for the children of Israel in particular uh, when he says, in the beginning, which is for him a a signal not only telling us of the beginning of Jesus' life, but it's this reminder of Genesis 1-1 where it says in the Hebrew scriptures that in the beginning that God made the heavens and the earth. And here, a long time after that, John is connecting the story of Jesus and the significance of him with creation itself. And when he declares that Jesus was God, he is uh, highlighting an amazing truth that his life did not begin uh, in Nazareth uh, with his parents, Mary and Joseph, but he actually existed long before that. And he's actually the one through whom each and every one of us can credit our existence. He was the creator in the beginning. And so when he says that the word was God, he's also then describing God as the giver of life and light. And so when he says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, it says in verse 4, in him was life and the life was the light of men. So he's telling us at the same time that he is God and reminding us that God is good. That God is the one who gives life and shines light into the darkness. And so we can trust his purposes for us. Not all of the world shares that perspective when they think about the origins of the universe for some they think it was just an accident with no intentionality behind it and we just happened to be here well it's a very different story to believe than believing that all of us were created with a purpose and created by a God who is good and so that I feel comfortable saying to each and every one of you whether I know you well or not you're not an accident You are here on purpose. Somebody has given you life, just like they've given me life. And that person who gives life to us also shines light into this world. That each and every one of us have that marker within us. We might not agree on every ethical question that we would face and challenge, but every one of us gets angry over something when we are confronted by what we think is wrong or unjust. And every one of us knows what it's like to love and care for something and in loving and caring for something or someone to desire that they're healthy and whole, that they're okay. And that's the way that the one who's given us life and light has made it possible for each and every one of us to know him because he created us on purpose and he gave within us the ability to, to reflect him, and to know him. We can discern things that are right and wrong. And not only as this chapter goes on does he acknowledging that God is the source of our life, but as it unfolds in a unique way, he also tells us that God honors the life that he's given us. We can know that God is good, not only because he's given us life, but he also honors the life that he's given to us. How so? He doesn't force anyone to follow him. It says that he came into the world and the world did not know him. It says he came to his own people and his own people rejected him. And God is a good God who's the source of life and light and has given us the capacity to know and understand him and also to choose does not force himself upon any one of us he doesn't violate our humanity but invites us to come to him so when we saw the way luke's gospel opened up is that luke was writing to somebody named theophilus and luke was making an argument to say to theophilus here's why i want you to believe this and here's why i think you can know that this is true but it was Someone writing to a a friend and trying to persuade them. And we said, as we were considering Luke chapter 1, that that is how it's supposed to be for all of us, that nobody else makes us a Christian. Nobody else can have faith for us. We all must choose to follow after God. We must choose to accept him and his will and his ways. And here, John is at the very same time that he's telling us that God has given us life and light is telling us that some of us, many of us, all of us at times, choose to reject him, to disobey him. And so he not only gives us life, but he honors the life that he has given. It is, for all of us, a a clear and visible demonstration of wickedness when bad rulers force their people to do things that they know they shouldn't do in contrast to a good ruler who allows their people to make choices, even at times when those choices are not fully in line with what they would desire and what their purposes would be. And so if you were to describe even just in the immediacy of a home where, uh, in a home of multiple people, if, if none of my kids had the opportunity to ever say what they wanted and make decision for themselves, and all they had to do every time was only whatever I made them to do, you'd say, I'm not sure that sounds like a very loving home that I'd want to live in, where the life of every person within it is honored, where people are allowed to speak, they're actually allowed to disagree and have different thoughts and perspectives on what to do. And so John, as he tells us that this, the word was God, and he's given all of us life as it goes along, tells us that he's also honoring the life that he's given. And he's honoring it and then using multiple people in John the Baptist, in the disciples, again, inviting them to come after him. Nobody forced to do it against their will, but this invitation extended. But therefore, for all who do receive him, it says in verse 12, who believe in his name, that to all of them are given the right to become the children of God, not because of their bloodline, not because of the will of their flesh, nor of the will of any other person, but because of God's grace. And so this word who was God, who's given us life and shown the light into our world, it then tells us that he was made flesh. And so the word who was God was made flesh. This is where the Gospels all start. When did that happen? Who, uh, how can we know that to be true? And that's told to us in the story of Jesus. But he who was from all eternity, the creator and the giver of life, then entered into time and space and became flesh. He who was totally outside of and protected from the ravages of time and the sins of other people, made a choice to come into our world and to have flesh like you and I do. And so here again, as John is reflecting on this and thinking that he who was from the beginning and made it all and made it all good and could have kept himself away from all of it that was bad and all of it that was broken in his choosing to come and be among us. It's a revelation that this God is full of grace and truth Uh, we've been saying this but uh, it bears repeating these two words grace and truth are coming from what had often been used to describe God throughout the Old Testament that he was full of steadfast love and faithfulness that he loved us for a long time and loved us over time and that he was true to his word we could count on him in any situation All of us can have a good day, and on a good day, uh, when we're in a good mood, people might want to be around us. But if a relationship is going to last for a long period of time, it has to be able to last on good days and bad days. When we're in good moods and when we're in bad moods, when we do commendable things and when we do things that we have to say we're sorry for. And so God, who gave us life and gave us the light of our own conscience and the light of his word, when we rebelled from that and turned away from it, he made a promise to us to continue to be there for us, for all of our needs. That if at any point we would be willing to turn from the darkness back into the light, that we would be willing to turn from our selfishness and back into a relationship with him, that he is more ready and willing to bring us back home than often we in our shame and guilt are willing to acknowledge. And so that's why he even uh, when he talks about God's grace in this, he says we've, received, uh, we've all received grace upon grace. It, it could not be more clear that God is gracious to us who he has created, even though we have fallen, even though we struggle in sin, than the fact that he has sent his son into the world to tell us he still really loves us, he still really cares about us, and if we have the capacity to love other people in that way, to to promise to other people that we will love them for better or worse, and a richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, how much more does the God who made us have the ability and the strength to love us in every season? Of life and to care for us for all of our needs. That's the grace that He offers us through Jesus. And it's the truth that reveals that He is faithful in every situation. And that's good news. Then our chapter continues on and introduces us to somebody uh, even further whose name is John, John the Baptist. He had quite the reputation, (laughs) people came to him. And we're asking, who are you? Because you're different. So much so that he has to say, I am not the Christ. Now, nobody has ever come up and been curious if I was the Christ or not. I don't know if you've ever had anybody so respect you and admire you that they were wondering uh, if you were the anointed one. It's pretty amazing to think about the sort of reputation that he would have had that people have to come and the second option's actually not really bad either. So, OK, you're not the Christ, but are you Elijah? Nobody's even come close to asking, "If I was Elijah, that'd be awesome to be uh, mistaken for the return of Elijah. Um, so we only get glimpses into John's life, but the glimpses show us that there is clearly this strength of character and persona and message that he had and influence and in ministry that he had to clarify for people that he wasn't the Messiah, that he wasn't the Christ who had come. And so his whole goal is to invite other people to consider Jesus and to say, don't look to me, but look to him. And that continues to be the call for all of us who are followers of Jesus, that though people will often form their ideas of who God is and what Jesus has said from Often what we say and do, it is always our goal and purpose to point away from ourselves and to point to him and to say, don't look at us. (laughs) Um, Look through us ultimately to God. Don't put your trust in any of us, his children, but ultimately place your trust and your hope in God because we ourselves are just as much in need of the grace and the truth that has come as anybody else we meet. We ourselves are just as much in need of this good news. And so it should be said of Christians that we are some of the most humble people. That though we do have convictions and beliefs that are distinct, those convictions are supposed to humble us so that we are the easiest people to find ready to serve and help with others because one of our core convictions is that we're not better than anybody else. We needed the word who was God to become flesh for us to have hope. We didn't ourselves need to become stronger and better and, uh, to redeem ourselves. We needed help from outside in the gift of our Savior so that we could experience salvation. And so at the same time that in this chapter we see God honoring all human life, we also see his children regularly pointing away from themselves to him and saying, don't look at me, don't trust me, don't honor me too much. Uh, See through me the one that you really should trust. And then the last way that we see that it's still under the heading of the word being made flesh, but then the two ideas that continue that even further is that John announces him as the Lamb of God, which for everyone hearing that would understand in terms of a sacrifice. And so this word made flesh who's giving and extending grace and truth to us is going to do that in two ways, by becoming a sacrifice for us and pouring out his spirit in us. So as John was inviting people to be baptized, he said, listen, there's somebody coming. He's better than me. I can baptize you with water, but someone's gonna come and baptize you with the Spirit. That's the one who you need to follow. And then when he shows up and it's clear to John that this is the one who's coming, he tells everybody that he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In other words, his grace is not going to come to us simply uh, in love letters and simply in uh, time and attention and focus to us, but there's going to be a sacrifice that has to be made. And his willingness to become flesh will go even further by his willingness to allow his flesh to be crucified for you and for me. That that's how great our sin is and that's how great his love is and he's going to do that for us and so follow after him (laughs) so love him not only because he's given us life and because he honors the life that he's given but love him because he's given up the only life he had his only begotten son was willing to give his life for you and for me How great of steadfast love and faithfulness is that? And then he also promises that his spirit that had descended upon him would be something in which all of us could be baptized with, that we could be given forever as a seal, again, of his ongoing love for us when we think of uh, the world events that are happening right now and we think of uh, a, a completely needless and senseless war going on and a ruler who is commanding people to continue it in spite of the suffering that takes place. There again, we just see this contrast of how wickedness uh, goes so far in its, uh, in its force and in its destruction and where the ways of righteousness and goodness are ways of peace, willingness to sacrifice for all the efforts that are currently being made right now to mitigate this, to stop it, to bring about a ceasefire if it can happen. We know that all of those things are being attempted at the same time that we also know there's one thing that could change so much in such a short period of time. And that's if there was a change from the inside out. If there was a change today on the part of Putin to say, I'm wrong. This is horrible. I am going to stand before God one day. Then all the other external attempts to bring about that change of behavior would themselves cumulatively not create as significant or as swift of a change in direction than a change from the inside out and we need both that's the promise of the New Testament is that in God's grace to us he offers not only himself as a sacrifice for us but his spirit to come inside of us because we could say that about our lives as well Nothing could make the biggest difference today in our own lives than change from the inside out. Then for us to say, I don't want to live like this anymore, I don't want to cause harm to people, I don't want to force other people to do things they shouldn't do, I want is good. I want what is true. I want what is right. Oh, if you want it and you want it from the inside out, you can right now start putting that into practice. Right now, start treating people around you differently. Right now, having a different outlook about why you're here and what opportunities you and I might have to bless other people. And this is the good news of what we celebrate, that our Savior was willing to be the Word made flesh to both give himself as a sacrifice to us and for all of us who cry out for change, who want to be different than we are, that we can have him come inside of us and live through us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word. And we thank you for how it reveals to us the gift of life that you've given to us, the ways in which you honor that life that all of us have, that when you could be cruel or harsh and coercive, you give invitations, you show yourself as beautiful and glorious, Father, we know that we need both your help from the outside and from the inside. So many times for us, when we're looking at other people, sin can seem so obvious and so clear, and yet when it's in our own lives, we find all kinds of ways to justify it, all kinds of ways to hide it and be blind to it. And so we just pray that you would help us to show us who we really are how deep our need for you is and also how ready and willing you are to strengthen us, to call us sons and daughters of you and to use us like you did John and like you did Andrew and others to bring other people along, to tell them to come and see what we have found. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stay